So here's the million dollar question. How are people like us who don't settle for the status quo, who value freedom and a life without limits? How do we create extraordinary results in the key areas of life, yet skip the fear, stress, and anxiety that produces regret? This is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. I'm your host, Tom Herman, and welcome to the Attractively Different Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Attractively Different Podcast. This is Tom Herman, and this is the final episode of our launch week. This is episode 10. So it's been an exciting week, and I've released an episode every day this week in an effort to over-deliver. And I'm also offering, if you haven't seen or haven't heard, an Amazon gift card this week. For those who subscribe, leave a review. You have a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card that will be decided on November 22nd, 2020 which is a Sunday. So if it's past that time, sorry, you missed your opportunity. I'd still love for you to provide feedback, leave a review, leave a rating. Um, But I just want to say thank you to everyone who has supported me in the process. So if you have left a review and haven't let me know, feel free to message me on Facebook, just Tom Herman. And on Instagram, Tom Herman Coach, uh, feel free to send me a message so I can make sure that your name is entered. So today on this episode, I want to talk about self-sabotage and the importance of unlearning. And if you fail to unlearn certain things, then you're just going to continue the same patterns of self-sabotage in your life. So one area where I saw self-sabotage occur was when I was actually learning how to drive, which was kind of an interesting process for me because I was the third child, third of three kids who learned to drive. So my sister had learned to drive before me. My brother had learned to drive before me. And uh, my brother, who's two years older, he just like knocked it out of the park. Like he, you know, my dad probably felt comfortable with him driving, you know, six months before he, maybe not that much, but a couple months before he turned 16. It's like he just knew what he was doing and had it under control. So when it was my turn, I kind of felt like, oh, I need to be, had this internal pressure of, oh, I need to do just as well as Joe did. I need to, you know, be at this place two months, you know, six weeks, whatever it was before I turned 16 or whenever I'm ready to get my license to, um, to be proficient and drive. And so multiple times throughout the process, I kind of hit, had some, you know, no pun intended, had some bumps in the road and just always put pressure on myself of like, oh, I'm not, not cutting it. I'm not, not doing as well as my brother was doing. And in particular, one story sticks out in my mind where it just shows how I was so in my head. I was kind of merging onto this road and my dad and brother were in the car with me and I was checking all the things and I started to go and I almost hit this car. Like I just completely missed it. Like I didn't see it. I don't know what it was as far as my visual. I checked that place, but I just didn't see that car. And my dad yelled, stop. And I stopped. He's like, did you not see that car? And because I was so in my head, I am trying to prove myself that I knew how to drive. I was like, no, I saw it, which was a complete lie. And which now that I look back on, it's kind of funny where it's like the better explanation to be like, no, I just missed it. (laughs) But instead I lied and said, no, I saw the car and try to defend myself that I was capable of driving. And um, it's just really interesting where it's like, why did I miss that car? Well, the more I've learned about the brain and the mind and how it works is our mind is a fascinating thing because it's processing 2 million pieces of information per second. And yet our conscious mind can only process about seven pieces of information at a time. 
And so that those pieces of information, they can be internal, like our thoughts, or they can be external, like where I'm focusing on, make sure I'm holding the steering wheel here, make sure that I'm looking over this shoulder, make sure all these things are in place. My conscious mind can only process about, you know, plus or minus seven pieces of information. And my subconscious, my unconscious mind is processing the remainder of those 2 million pieces of information. And so because I was so focused on these other things in my mind, I was so focused on proving myself. And if I get something wrong, then, um, you know, then I'm not going to be thought of as a good driver. I, my conscious mind didn't see this car. Like it literally, I literally did not see the car. And so even it was there, my unconscious mind, I'm sure was aware of it. But since my conscious mind, since I was bringing internal thoughts, there were other things I was just so focused on, I completely missed it. And as it turns out, I a couple of weeks later went to go take the driver's test for the first time. Yes, I failed. And I completely sabotaged that process again. So I went, when I went to the driver's test, you know, of course they take you and they say, up here at the stop sign, turn left, you know, turn right. Well, as we were in the car with the instructor who was, you know, assessing me, they said to go straight at the stop sign. So I had in my mind, I was so focused, so absorbed in like making sure that I went straight so I didn't look stupid by turning left or right. Before I knew it, I was in the middle of that intersection. And thankfully, I didn't hit anybody or someone wasn't there, but I had run a stop sign because I was so focused on like making sure I didn't turn left and right and making sure I knew all these things. And so for whatever reason, I just went right through it, failed my driver's test and sabotaged my results because I was so focused on proving that I could drive and I failed because I was so wrapped up in my mind. And to make matters worse, one of my closest friends, my best friends, they were at the DMV that morning and he was getting his driver's permit and they're like, oh, how'd it go? And of course, I had to admit that I failed. And which turned out to be a really good thing because over the next couple of weeks or however long it takes for you to test again, I gained more confidence, got out of my head because since I'd already failed before, it was like this weight of making sure I passed the first time was already gone. And I learned how to drive. And in that moment, I probably had more progress learning how to drive than previously, you know, previous six months or whatever it was. And I went and passed the test with, you know, hundred percent, you know, perfect score. So, I share that story with you to ex kind of give an example of how powerful the mind is and what it's doing. And if we're not getting the results that we desire, then we need to go through an unlearning process so that we can relearn to actually achieve the results that we're trying to achieve. So this, this may be a little more in-depth than what we've covered before, so hang with me if it is. I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible. But to give you some context, as I mentioned, the brain is extremely powerful. It's processing 2 million pieces of information every second, like I said earlier. And those pieces of information, they're not fixed in size. It's just information. So they can be, like I said, internal thoughts of our world, or they can be from the external world. They can be outside of us. So when learning how to drive a car, those seven, you know, plus or minus seven pieces of information can be anything from holding the steering wheel to stepping on the gas pedal to looking in the rearview mirror, listening to the radio, having a conversation with someone, thinking about where you need to turn. All those are pieces of information that 
only seven of those, seven plus or minus, can be in your conscious mind. And when I say conscious, just to provide some definition, conscious is your present moment awareness. So in this present moment, what moment, what am I aware of? Where the unconscious is the present moment unawareness. So for example, I want you to pause. I'll get quiet here for a second. And I want you to listen to all the noises that are going in the background right now. So right now for me, I can hear an airplane flying over. The TV's on here in our home. So those noises were in my unconscious. So whatever noises you heard, they were in your unconscious because you weren't aware of them in the present moment. But when I told you to focus on them, they actually came into your conscience and you can hear them and you were aware of them. So they were there the whole time, but your conscious was aware of something else, was focusing on something else, but your unconscious was taking it all in. So this goes to show you that your unconscious is extremely powerful and is actually wiser, if you will, than your conscious mind. And this actually comes into a big effect to when we're learning something and then how we take what we've learned to then start applying it. So here's what happens when we go through this process of learning. There are, there are four stages, if you will, to this process or four categories. And the first category of learning, they call unconscious incompetence. So as you can imagine, the unconscious is you're not aware of it in like your present state and then incompetence, like you don't have the ability to do it. So if you've ever heard the phrase, you don't know what you don't know, then that's exactly what this category is. You don't know what you don't know. And so in the example of learning how to drive, if you've never driven a car before, then you're in this category of unconscious incompetence. You don't know what you don't know because you've never driven before. You may think you know, but you you haven't learned, you haven't actually practiced the skill. You, you have an unconscious incompetence. So then the next part of the process, the next category is conscious incompetence. So this is where you start learning and you actually begin to discover your limitations. So if you've ever heard someone say, the more I know, the more I don't know. <laughs> so it's almost like they've entered the stage of learning and they start to learn a little bit and they realize, oh my goodness, I'm so limited. There's so much more I need to know about this topic. So sticking with the analogy of learning how to drive, this is the part where you start in a parking lot and you're learning, okay, this is the gas pedal. This is the brake pedal. You only use one foot, have your hands in this place and you're learning to steer and maybe you overcorrect. Or if you're learning how to drive a standard and you would, you know, grind the gears or you would, you know, the car would stall. Like this is the part of the process where you're, you're learning, but you still don't have the skill yet. You're not out on the road. You're just actually practicing the skill, learning to drive. And this is the most uncomfortable stage or most uncomfortable part of the process, but it's actually where we learn the most. So then the third part of our learning process is, you know, you can categorize it as conscious competence. So conscious, it's obviously we're putting our focus, we're putting our awareness, our concentration on this 
skill and we actually are competent at that skill. So you haven't reached a level of mastery at this point, but this is where you pass your driver's test. This is where you're out on the road where your hands are at 10 and two. And you know, if the structure's here, they're, you're making sure you sit at a stop sign for three seconds. You're doing all the things because you're putting your awareness on it. And when you pass the driver's test, it's saying, yes, you have the skill, you can drive on the road. So that is conscious competence. The fourth stage is unconscious competence. So this is where our skills, actually we've taken all these little things that we've learned. So we think about driving a car, where you hold your hands, how you, you know, press the pedal, what's the right way to press the pedal in order to accelerate at a good pace, or how do you, how slowly do you stop the car? How do you change lanes? These are all small little skills that we've learned. And in your unconscious competence stage, they all kind of sync together and become one behavior where at this point you're just driving. You're not thinking I'm hitting the gas. I'm hitting the blinker. I'm turning this on. You're just, you're just driving. They've all kind of blended together into one bigger skill of learning how to drive. And this is why when driving a car, you can listen to a radio, enjoy the scenery, hold a conversation because everything that you're doing as far as holding the steering wheel, maintaining the right miles per hour, pressing the gas, braking, that's all happening in the unconscious part of your mind because it has moved moved out of that conscious part that can only focus on seven plus or minus pieces of information. Like your brain is kind of on autopilot and it's it's creating like a habit. It's creating like a stronger skill. The same way that you could tie your shoes and have a conversation with someone, you're you're still doing that. You're still using that skill, but your brain, the awareness, the conscious mind doesn't necessarily have to focus on it because the skills have reached, you know, to a degree, a level of mastery that is freeing up the conscious mind to focus on other, other things. And this is why habits are so powerful because like I said, it's like that autopilot program. And so, you know, you hear people talk a lot about creating a habits. Habits will change your life and they will. And habits are awesome because like I said, the brain is so powerful that it's working efficiently that it's saying, I know how to do all these skills to create this behavior that I can now create more space in my conscious mind to focus on other things. Now, here's the bad thing about habits is what if they're not effective to like reach the task or goal that you're trying to reach? because they can they can work against you. And when we talk about habits, think about instead of it being solely related cuz sometimes I get thought of like oh habits are just actions. What if you were to analyze your thoughts and what habits of thought do you have? Because as I mentioned earlier, our brain is processing the 2 million pieces of information and so it forces itself to be efficient. The brain naturally wants to be efficient. And so what it does is in order to take those 2 million pieces of information and decide which seven you should be focusing on, it uses filters to like sort through that information to manage it all. And so those filters are things like our experiences, our memories, our beliefs, emotions, the words that we use. Those are all filters that the brain is using to break down these 2 million pieces of information and make it digestible for us to handle. Because if the conscious mind was left to handle 2 million pieces of information per second, you know, it just couldn't do it. 
it would go on overload. And so the three things the brain is doing with these filters is it's constantly generalizing information, distorting information, and deleting information. And so when I say generalizing information, it takes one experience and it generalizes it to a whole. So that can be really helpful. So for example, if you open five doors in a row and each doorknob turns to the right, the brain is going to generalize and say every doorknob turns to the right. And it's going to push that in to the unconscious. It's going to create that habit or that thought pattern. And you no longer have to think about opening the doorknob. It just turns. But it can be really unhelpful if that has something to do with like racism or prejudice or, you know, um, different things like that, where if you have one experience with someone and you think, okay, this type of person is always like that, well, that's not 100% true. So that's generalizing information. So your brain is constantly generalizing things. So when you say phrases like I always or never, like that's your brain generalizing the information. And those are habits that you've created in your thinking that are influencing your results. So the second distorting information, this is where your brain when something occurs and it mistakes it for something that it is not. Um, so you basically are seeing what you want to see. If that makes sense. You know, where if I've in religion, you know, or in Christianity, people talk about like, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. So distorting information, maybe taking something, taking a passage and making it say something that you want it to say. And it's not true, but your, your brain is distorting it. And this can be helpful because it helps keep us safe by, you know, staying the same where it's like if you were walking down a path and you see a black rope and your brain may interpret it as a snake that distorted the information because it wants to keep you alive. But then as you get closer, it's like, oh, I realize that that's not a snake. But that's an example of how the brain can distort that information. Oh, I thought I saw a snake. Then um, it's trying to protect you. So your brain generalizes. It's saying, you know, I've had this experience or all people are like this. You know, people who've come out of abusive situations, it can be, you know, all, you know, men are not trustworthy. All women are not trustworthy because I had this one experience. You're generalizing that. And, you know, you can distort information, which may be like if as a child, if you had, you know, a bunch of siblings and you're always, you know, picked on by one, for example, and they mistreated you then, or they tried to, you know, I was just talking with a friend here recently who was sharing about how when he was younger, um, he felt like he was being controlled by his older brother. And so even something like that, that can distort information to make you, make you think that, okay, whenever this situation is happening, then, um, I'm unloved or, you know, whatever you're, you're distorting it and you're creating a belief around it and you're you're holding that belief. And so that becomes a new filter that if something similar happens to you, like you're going to interpret it along the lines of that filter. And the third one, so we've got generalizing, distorting, and the third one is deleting. And so you may have left out portions of a story or something something that doesn't align with your beliefs. You may, you may leave that out. Your brain just deletes it because... Like I said, the brain is trying to take all this information 
and bring it down to a level that your conscious mind can handle. And it's trying to understand what it should send to the conscious mind versus the unconscious mind. And so it's, it's going through these filters, generalizing, distorting, and deleting information to make it digestible, which these filters, as I mentioned earlier, are all influenced by our experiences, memories, beliefs, words that we use. So if you're saying, um, there's a wall between us, well, then your brain is going to think, you know, when I'm talking to this person, like we're just having a tough time connecting, like there's a wall between us. So it's going to interpret information or, um, you know, if someone has a tough time trying to think of another example, um, maybe they're lazy at work or it'd be easy to like generalize information and say, you know, right now there's a big generalization in the marketplace for millennials for them to say like all millennials are lazy and they feel entitled. Like that's a big generalization that's out in the public, which our brain is doing to like make sure the information that it's sending to the conscious mind can be handled and making sure that it prioritizes the right information to make sure that it gets sent to your conscious mind. So here's what's so dangerous about that. And what I want to get to is that when we're progressing through the learning process, when you're learning how to drive, for example, everything is being filtered through your brain's filters. So for me in my story, I had filtered my, a filter that I had was if I'm not driving at the same level as my brother and be ready before, you know, six weeks before I'm turned 16, then I'm not a very good driver. So that's a filter that I had in my mind, whether it be a belief or an experience, something that I had. And all these experiences, when we're learning something new through each stage, all this information is being filtered through our own unique personal filters. We're constantly generalizing, distorting, and deleting information. So by the time your learned skill is created into a habit, it's run through all those filters as well. And you're now in the stage of unconscious competence, so you're not even really thinking about it anymore. And the scary part about that is it's past the point, unless you do it intentionally, on really changing or improving because it's the behavior has moved into the unconscious. So you have a skill that you're not even really thinking about. So I asked the question, could it be possible that the filters you used in the learning process, whatever it is, may have caused you to miss information while it was en route to forming that habit? Could there be useful information that you deleted or maybe there's information that you distorted. It's not the same. That as you like established these habits or established actions or established beliefs, that they're all being filtered through your own unique filtration system for your mind. And that the reason you're struggling to get the result that you want is because you filtered out the information that you need. And so what I'm trying to get to is the reason we self-sabotage is it's not that that information isn't available to us. It's just we haven't taken the time to unlearn the systems and processes. We haven't taken time to check 
okay, how am I filtering this information? What information am I deleting? What information am I distorting? Um, when my wife and I first got started in business, it started with you know direct sales, network marketing, which I had a bad belief, a big generalization that all network marketing companies are scams. You hear pyramid schemes. So there was an opportunity that was available to us to make money immediately that I possibly would have said no to because my filters said, no, this is all scammed. So there are opportunities that are right there in front of you in your world. The solutions, the answers are in your world. And unless you take time to unlearn and relearn, you're not going to see them because the habits, the thoughts that you've thought over and over and over again, those are habits that you're not even, it's not even coming into your awareness. And it's sabotaging your results. And so how do you adjust these filters? Because think about it. If you, if you're a, a young child and you go through a an experience, you know, I mentioned earlier, if someone's picking on you and it's this type of person, um, you know, or maybe, maybe you got beat up as a child for, you know, doing something. And it's like, well, if, if I speak up, then that causes pain. So maybe as a young child, in order to protect yourself at, you know, five, six, seven years old, you say, well, I can't speak my, I can't speak my mind because that's going to cause pain. You've, you've created a filter in your mind that you've carried with you your whole life. And if you're, you know, 35, 40, 45, 50, and you're still using that same filter of a six, seven or eight year old who that was their best way of thinking at that point in their life. But if you've never changed it, what have you missed? What opportunities have been available? What results could be achieved? Had you taken the time to unlearn and say, you know, that thought served me. That way of thinking served me. But I don't need to think that way anymore. There's a new way to think. You know, I can say thank you to my seven-year-old self for doing the best that he could. But I can hold a new thought now. I can have a new filter and actually go and achieve the results that I desire. And so you'd actually breakdown so instead of being in the unconscious you'd have to bring it back into your conscious awareness which is you know process the third category and then you need to take it to your conscious incompetence so you need to break it down from you know process four of stage four of the unconscious competence where you're not even thinking anymore and it's just happening automatically. You need to break it down, bring it back into your awareness, the conscious competence, break down that skill to say, okay, I don't need to think this way anymore. I'm going to actively think through this and I don't need to hold that thought anymore. I'm going to hold a new thought. So you're going to bring it back to the third or second category of conscious incompetence. So you're you're breaking it down. You're going backwards. You're unlearning. And then you can have a new thought. And that's where you're going to start stage two, back up to three and four. So you're going to build and create a new thought, a new process, a new habit, where now when you get into the unconscious competence stage, the fourth part of the process, you're processing with new filters 
they're going to lead to new results and the results that you desire. And this is why it's so important. And in my experience where I've seen like working with a coach or someone who can help you identify those filters because they've been so ingrained in your mind. They've been so ingrained in how you think that it's almost impossible to identify them yourself. So when you're working with a coach, working with someone who can help you see these patterns, because that's what they are. They're just patterns in your life that are revealing these filters, that are revealing these beliefs that may come from experiences. They're revealing these generalizations, these distortions, things that you've deleted. They're helping you see things that you can't see because it's in your unconscious. You're not very aware of it. And these filters, because what I know is that how you do anything is how you do everything. These filters are always active. They're always at work. So whether you're playing with your kids, whether you're communicating with your spouse, whether you're doing something fun or you're at work building a business, these filters are always active and they're always processing information regardless of the environment. They're processing information through those same filters and they're either reinforcing the beliefs that you have. Maybe you're deleting the information because it doesn't support the belief you have and it's impossible to change unless you actually change those filters. And so the way you're interpreting the event will be directly related, <clears throat> excuse me, will be directly related to the filters that you're using in your mind. And it can be very difficult to change. And like I said, why I recommend working with a coach. So if that's something that you think you might be interested in and in stopping the self-sabotage, reach out to me to learn how maybe we could work together and see if it's a good fit to help you change these filters. Go to attractivelydifferent.com, click on the link for a free discovery call, and let's see if it's a good fit. Remember, everything you do matters. Everything. You have a unique assignment to play. So go and rule that assignment that God has given for you and change the world, change your legacy. Thank you so much. Be blessed. Talk to you next time. Hey everyone, it's Tom again. And I wanted to ask you a quick question. On a scale from one to 10, how confident are you that you know God's purpose for your life? I mean, there can be a lot of confusion around this topic. So I went ahead and created a life purpose roadmap to help you gain clarity on your purpose. You can download your free PDF life purpose roadmap at attractivelydifferent.com backslash purpose. It'll walk you through the seven simple steps to prospering in your purpose. Also for the next 40 days, I'll be sending you a daily email guide that will help you unlock the full power of the roadmap. These emails are designed to make it that much easier for you to implement the roadmap and succeed in your God-given assignment. It's free. Just go download the Life Purpose Roadmap PDF at attractivelydifferent.com backslash purpose.